so title of my sermon is Representing Christ in a Polarized Culture. Um, and even though I'm not in America a lot, um, I'm on social media, I'm in contact with people in America, so I'm fairly well aware of what's, what's going on in the culture. And I, I, there's been a lot of challenges. I think between the COVID and the election, there was just so much polarization. And unfortunately, not just, not just in society in general, but within the church as well. So how do, how do we as Christ representatives, how do we handle that? How do we, how do we navigate that? I mean, it's, it's already election season again, you know, 2024, there's all the primaries, you know, and it's, it's very charged. So how do we represent Christ? If you go to the next slide, in the last five years, I've seen uh, there's been more political division, uh, racial tension, division in the church, uh, people more isolated, just in general, like people working at home. But then they're connected to social media, and I just feel like that leads to communication and in general. It's, just, it's less respectful. And it's less honoring. It's like people say things on social media that they maybe wouldn't say in person. But like they're not interacting with people that much in person anymore. It's just because the way our culture is and just challenging. And then I think it starts to spill over, and then people actually do start acting like that in person. It's kind of like the social media is their training wheels to how I can just kind of be rude and arrogant. And then I, and then I step into real life and like, oh, this is, this is how I should talk, I guess. This is all I know. Um, and it's just strange relationships. I hear story after story of family members that are on the opposite ends of political spectrum that will not talk to each other. You know, or, what, you know, they can't, grandparents not seeing their grandkids because they have different views on what's safe and not safe during COVID. And I respect everybody's views on that, but it's just, it's just heartbreaking to see the division. Uh, so you can go to the next slide. So how do we represent Christ? Second Corinthians 5.20 says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Just that word ambassador. Um, living overseas, we meet people with the State Department, you know, and we meet, we meet them and like they're, you know, there's the ambassador, you know, to a country, but even like all the, the diplomats I meet, they just, they do a very good job of being diplomatic and like representing the United States of America. Like that's their, their stance and they just do such a good job. And I think as Christians, we could even look at their examples sometimes like, whoa, that's, that's, that's because ultimately that's, that's what we are. We are Christ's ambassadors. We are representing him above all else. It's more important than our passport country. It's more important than our occupation. It's more important than anything. Um, go to the next slide. So the scripture, um, actually, let's just uh, skip ahead. I'll go to, as we've already read it, we'll just go. First of all, um, where stands it written? Um, so that if you don't know, this church is part of the Evangelical Free Church of America. Uh, it's a network. There's 15, about 1,500 churches across the United States. Uh, it started actually not far from here. It started in Boone, Iowa. Um, we're not far from Iowa. Um, I don't know how far Boone is, but for those of you who know Iowa geography, that's where the EFCA started. Uh, and it has two things that are really the, the key, that had really the foundation, two, two mottos they have. First is, where stands it written? Like, where is it in the word of God? That is our standard. Not what society is saying, not what anything else is saying. Where is it in the word of God? The second thing is, in, uni- in, es- in essentials, unity, and non-essentials, charity, and all things, Jesus Christ. So just, just figure out, we are called to be unified. And this passage is, it calls us to be unified. But that doesn't mean we have to agree on everything. 
There's people in this room that like American football more than soccer. And there's people that like soccer more than American football. That's okay. They can both be good. We don't have to agree on that. We can worship the Lord together, right? You know, and whatever it may be, not everybody's going to have the exact same political views in a church. If you're ever at a church that that's the case, run, because that's not a healthy thing. It really isn't. Um, and even theologically, and this is a debated thing, what, what are the essentials? What are the non-essentials? But there's going to be small disagreements within a church on theological issues. And how do we be cherry? But there are essential ones. There are core things. As there's this grace class going on right now, if, to be a member of this church, there are certain things that you have to agree on. I mean, as I'm sure anybody's always welcome here any Sunday, but if you want to be a member and say, yes, I'm going to be a representative of Grace Community Church as I represent Christ, there, there are essentials, and that's very important. All right, uh, next slide. Okay, so what did Jesus leave when he made himself nothing? What did he leave? Because he left something. Well, where, we think about where he was, where he started with. You think about that. If you go to the next slide, it'll be on there. He left the comfort of heaven, the comfort of perfect relationships with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And when I think of the word comfort, you know, some people uh, maybe you've heard of the prosperity gospel, and that's like, oh, if you're faithful to God, you're going to be healthy and wealthy, and that's just that's just not true. It's just it's it's it, the prosperity gospel is not true, and I think most Christians know that. But I think what we're most drawn to is what I would call a comfort gospel. We're always trying to go for comfort. Like, what's most comfortable? And even, like, when I get overseas, it's like, okay, what, what's most comfortable in my life? Like, what, what should I do that would make my life comfortable? And I think as in our flesh, we always have to fight against that. Right? We always have to say, okay, you know, like, I, it's, comfort's okay to a point. Like, I really like a comfortable couch. You know, I have a friend, a teammate, he always picks the most uncomfortable place to sit. And I just, and he's older than me, but like, I just can't do it. I mean, like, I can't sit in this little, he has this little chair he sits on. It's like this high off the ground and where he'll sit on the floor. And I, I'm telling you, if I do that for like 40 minutes, I'm like, oh man, I'm old. And somehow he's older than me, but he always does it. We don't have to deny comfort, but it cannot be our idol. It cannot be what we're thriving for. And if we look at, we look at Jesus we look at the one that we follow. He had the most comfort we could ever imagine. I mean, just think about being with the Father in perfect relationship. And what did he choose to do with that? Because he could have just been like, I'm good. This is a good gig here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride this out for eternity. But he didn't. He left. He left that perfect relationship. He left that perfect place. You know the next slide. Okay, so who, who is serving who? Um, if you think of, actually, if, uh, I think I've got my slides mixed up. If you can jump to the next one. Okay, this one here. This, I got these out of order, I'm sorry. So uh, if you watch a Minnesota sporting event, um, first of all, you're probably going to be disappointed. Sorry. <laughs> it's, it's a painful reality. Although go Twins, go Twins. Twins have done good recently. Woo, excited about that. Um, but if that event is in, in Minneapolis and it's on TV and they often want to show pretty pictures of the city, 
they'll often show this bridge. It's called the Hennepin Avenue Bridge. takes you into downtown. And it's just a, a beautiful lit up bridge. Well, as you're crossing that bridge, you're actually, there's this island there. It's a fascinating place in the city. It's called Nicolet Island. And on that island, there is a, a, a restaurant and hotel called the Nicolet Island Inn. Well, I was actually a waiter there. And uh, right, I was finishing up college and actually even after I finished college. And there were some pretty famous people that would come in there. It was a very fancy restaurant. Uh, there was um, Mark Dayton, who was a senator and then the governor. Uh, some other politicians would come in there. Uh, when I was working there, Liz Cheney's wife uh, came in there once. Uh, but one day, I got to wait on Carl Polad. Uh, Carl Polad is the, owned the Minnesota Twins. He's passed away now. Uh, and now it's owned by his sons. And so if you're a Minnesota Twins fan, you've probably heard that name. So I waited on him. And it was, it was like around this time of the year. It was early October. And um, he was in a big group. There was like 10 of them or so. He asked for the bill, and the Twins were in the playoffs that year. And as a Minnesota sports fan, I'm naively optimistic, right? They were probably just about to get swept by the Yankees. But I said, hey, the bill, he asked for the bill, and I said, it comes to four World Series tickets. And he's like, huh? He didn't quite get it. He was quite advanced in his years, and his hearing wasn't very good and stuff. But the rest of the table laughed, so the joke hit with them. And, and then some lady said, oh, we can't afford that. Okay, well, Carl Polet's net worth is public knowledge at that time. He could have afforded it, but nonetheless, they, I, I, you know, I waited on him. So at that time, I was trying to think about what my financial net worth was when I was, I was newly married, right out of college, working as a waiter. I don't know if my net worth was in the black or the red. Like, you know, like there were still some student loans. So I want you to picture, just think, if you walked into that restaurant and you saw this young, poor person in their 20s, and you saw Carl Polad waiting on me. He's like, hey, would you like, what can I get for you? Can I, can I bring you a steak? And, you know, would you like something to drink? That would be absurd, right? Here's this billionaire waiting on this poor person in their 20s, that would be a absurd thing. You would just look at that and you're like, this is ridiculous. This doesn't, this doesn't make sense. And so you actually go to the, the uh, previous slide. So who is serving who? Because how much more absurd is it? Because as rich as he is, he's, he's a human being, I'm a human being. You know, before God, we're the same. But to see that Jesus serving us I mean, a lot of you can think of the, 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 the scene where he washes the feet, you know, and just that servant. He came to serve. It's just amazing. He took this perfect position, and he came down to serve. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. All right, if you can go ahead, two slides there. So why, why did he do that? Why did he make himself nothing and take the very nature of a servant? Why, why would he do such a thing? So it says, because it goes back to the scripture. Sometimes this, you just go back later, in the, early in the passage. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Just think of that mindset. 
of just looking out for others above yourself. Just think if, if as followers of Christ, that was our normal battle cry, and that's what we do. When we think about how polarized the culture is, when we think about that coworker or neighbor or person on Facebook that we're just angry at and we think is being ridiculous and is just nuts, whatever you maybe think, and please don't look at me like you've never had that thought. We, we all do at times, right? But like, how can you consider them above yourselves? How can you serve them? You don't have to agree with them, but we are called to honor them. We are called to love them. And what, is, what does that look like? Uh, let's go to the next slide. So what Jesus did is he left a position of far more comfort than we will ever experience this side of eternity by emptying himself, by coming as human, and then experience undeserved discomfort because of beyond any discomfort any of us will likely ever experience. And I say undeserved because Jesus didn't deserve any of it. We have discomfort in our lives. Sometimes it's undeserved. It's part of just being a follower of Christ and that life's messy and life's hard. Other times it's deserved, right? Like sometimes we just don't make the best choices and that's, that happens, you know? But Jesus, none of it was deserved and he, he, he left it all. Um, so he, he did that for us. Uh, all right, I'm going to go to the next slide. And so in the end, Jesus' obedience took, took him to the highest place. We may or may not get rewarded for obedience and faithfulness while still on earth. But we can be assured it will be worth it for God's eternal kingdom. So as we follow Christ, there's times where it's going to be uncomfortable. I mean, I can't tell you the amount of pain we've personally had with our experience with our foster daughter, like taking her in. And we, we no regrets. We love her. She's our forever daughter. When we, we stepped into this, we didn't know what we were getting into. And knowing now, we'd still do it because we love her. But it's been challenging. But there's no, there's no regrets with that. And I, as I look into this crowd, and I know this church, a lot of you have stepped into the fostering and adoption. And there's challenges with that, right? But you do it because it's worth it and it's beautiful. And you, you see the results of it too and you experience the results. And so much of our life is that. We, 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 how are we stepping in to something difficult? Because God's faithful and we know he's going to get us through it. It's going to be challenging. And so, and I want you to think of this passage and think of Jesus and how he handles himself and how we're called to handle ourselves. And I want you to think of how American culture in general, how we're American, like the whole, we got to fight for our rights. We got to fight for our rights. We got to fight for freedom. Well, I'm not saying you need to lay over on all things and we don't have rights. We do. But if you look at what you see on social media, you think about what you see in the culture about people so concerned about their rights. How concerned was Jesus about his rights? I mean, talk about a guy that had rights, right? Like he's like, I'm the creator. I'm up here in heaven. I got the right to do whatever I want. And he just said, I'm leaving. I'm laying that down. I'm going to lay it down because I love others. I'm going to consider others above myself. So what, what can we do in our culture to follow that, to emulate that? 
And so I just want to I just want to challenge people with that. And I want to I want to give an example of um, yeah. I'm gonna give an example. There was some um, Christian friends of mine that were both they were they were on Facebook and they were debating this person who was like and they were clearly my Christian friends were at one end of a political spectrum and this person they were debating was way on the other side and this person actually said something that was like kind of an, well not a kind of it was an attack of someone's character and this is a sister I've known for a long time who has a really good heart and a servant heart and I I defended her I wrote a message saying hey I know you guys disagree about this, but this is a really, I think you know this person better than this, that she's a good person, so I don't think it needs to be a personal attack. And she wrote me a message, this person I defended, and thanked me, and she said, oh yeah, that, that Betty, she's so anti-God. And I don't know Betty, and I don't doubt that she's anti-God, because if my friend's saying she is, I believe it. But here's the thing. Their, their debate on Facebook was about a political issue that was not about God. It was not about Christian versus non-Christian. It wasn't that. And so what I'm seeing is I'm seeing followers of Christ working on burning bridges with someone who doesn't have the hope of the gospel over a non-eternal issue. And it's like, why? Why? Because even if she agrees with you politically, she's still not, that doesn't mean she has the hope of the gospel. Is that, is that a bridge worth burning? And so I bring that example. Normally I want to bring positive examples, but that one just stuck out to me as just like, no, let's not do that. We all have our opinions. We all have our views. And there's an appropriate context to share them. And, but, but Jesus is the center. The gospel is the center. That is what is most important. We are called to be a bridge. We are called to be a bridge to a non-believing world that doesn't have the hope of the gospel and bring them to the gospel and show them that hope that we are first and foremost citizens of the kingdom of God. Uh, so uh, the next slide. So just a quick end of the heart examination. So do you have a giving heart? You give up comfort and status for others. Do you have a servant heart? Do you look for opportunities to meet needs? Do you have a humble heart? Is it all about you? Do you want to control everything? And I confess, I really like control. And I like also to like order plane tickets for like 10 months ahead of time. You know, like, okay, let's plan our furlough. Let's get it all lined up. And this thing with this adoption, like, we, we don't know what next month, but we don't know what no tomorrow brings. We don't know what, like, it's been really hard. And I just need to keep coming back. Okay, okay, Lord. We thought we might be living in America this year due to some things with our family because we thought an adoption might go through. Now we just, like, we have no idea. We, we, we don't know. And we just, we bring that before the Lord. Obedient heart. What is God calling you to be or to do or to stop doing and stop being? And just... And this is different for everybody, um, but I just really encourage you to take these questions to heart and do an evaluation of your heart and to keep doing it, right? We need to keep evaluating, keep examining our heart. So thank you for this time. Um, I'm going to be around after. There's a sign-up sheet if you want to receive our newsletters. Uh, if, you wanna, if you're interested in mission work at all, please talk to me. I'm passionate about recruiting. 
um, anywhere in the world. I'm, I'm biased towards Asia, but uh, I actually have some booklets back there from Reach Global that shows every team that we have uh, around the world. Uh, and we, we have short-term things, we have long-term things, so please come, come talk to me. Uh, let me pray. Dear God, thank you for this time. Thank you for your love and your grace, and thank you for the beautiful partnership. I thank you for the church here. I thank you for seeing familiar faces, and I thank you for seeing new faces and how you are growing your church. pray that you continue to do that. I pray that you help us to have great hearts of humility serving you. We love you, and we ask all these things in the name of Jesus.